Hey everyone, this is Mike DeBliss. The topic of this podcast is how do I patent my mobile app idea? This is a topic that is fascinating to me and um, one that today um, we really need more information about. I mean, it goes without saying that nearly everyone has a smartphone with mobile applications. In fact, I was listening to an entrepreneur on a podcast the other day state that you can learn more about a person by looking at the apps on their iPhone than you can by sitting, sitting down and having a beer with them um, you know, at a bar for an hour. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. Mobile apps are one of the fastest growing segments of the software sector. And this makes many people ask the age-old question, can I patent a mobile app? The simple answer is yes, you can. However, there are some limitations. And so what I hope to accomplish in this podcast is to demystify this uh, process and you know, essentially make what might otherwise be a very complicated and um, very tedious process, one that is streamlined um, and that will make more sense to you when we're done. So let's start with the very let's start with the very basic um, idea that you've come up with a great mobile app idea and you want to protect it. What do you need to know? Well, first you need to know that applying for a patent is a detailed and convoluted process. However, you can make it easier by knowing some key things about the patenting process. So what I'm going to do is give you some background information about this uh, process and then give you some steps to still what we talk what I talk about in the beginning into some easy steps that you can begin to apply if this is something that you think is right for your app. When asking the question can you patent an app, remember that patenting a mobile phone application is an essential part of your intellectual property plan. At the end of the day, you want to protect your intellectual property because this will allow you to seek damage for infringement if a third party comes around later and uh, essentially takes your, um, your property without your consent. So you want to make sure that your mobile app is protected. Um, now, when it comes to intellectual property law, it's very similar to the recording of mortgages in real estate. It's a first-in-time principle. So essentially, the mortgage company um, or the company that is trying to attach a lien against property that records it first-in-time gets priority over all other um, liens and mortgages that are attached to property. And I guess you could you could you can begin to see the tragedy in all of this because if there is a creditor who has a claim against a debtor and they've been trying to collect against the debtor um, but to no avail, if they wait too long before recording, 
a, a lien against the debtor's property and a subsequent creditor um, comes along and even though their claim against the debtor arose later in time than the first creditor, the fact that they recorded their lien first gives them priority over the first creditor. And it's the same applies here in the world of intellectual property. You could have come up with the idea yourself and it could be as original as uh, the Mona Lisa, the original painting of the Mona Lisa. But if you waited and you did not get protected, uh, protect your painting of the Mona Lisa and a uh, third party came along and copied it um, stroke for stroke and after doing so protected it under the intellectual property law they would be considered the subsequent um, a party meaning the infringer would be considered the uh, protected work and um, they even though they uh, they copied yours uh, would be the ones to be protected under copyright law. So it's important to understand that and that's why it's such it's so important as part of your intellectual property plan to protect the property that you put out into the world and allow yourself the opportunity to seek damage if a third party comes along and tries to infringe upon it. An app can be patented because it's part of the methods of interaction. What do I mean by that? Well, it plays a part in how your smartphone functions. However, you can't patent the computer code that runs your software. That's a common misconception these days. Um, you cannot patent the code that runs your software. Um, you can only patent the methods of interaction. Um, and that's basically what you guarantee when you patent your app. Now bringing an app to uh, the market is extremely competitive. The biggest app marketplaces today are um, Apple iTunes, um, the Apple iTunes App Store, and there's Google Play. They offer more than 600,000 apps apiece. And I'm sure that this is not news to you because all you need to do is jump into the Apple iTunes store to see um, how many uh, hundreds of thousands of apps there are. As a matter of fact, the iTunes app store had about 700,000 apps as of 2012. So needless to say, getting your app noticed in such a crowded marketplace is difficult if not impossible. What we're going to cover in this podcast is the um, United States Patent and Trademark Office rules for patenting your app. This is basically the starting place uh, this, and, and it's the best way to patent your app um, is by understanding the rules um, that are um, that have been created by the United States Patent and Trademark Office. So essentially, the uh, USPTO, and that's how I'll be referring to the United States Patent and Trademark Office, they have laid out um, criteria that'll determine if your app is eligible for a patent. 
Yes, you have to determine if your app is first eligible before it can be patented. And what do I mean by that? Well, quick and dirty example is if someone has already invented the same app, you won't qualify for a patent. It's very simple. Um, if there is already a, uh, an app that is you know, similar or identical to yours, um, it goes without saying that they're not going, that the USPTO isn't going to issue your app a patent because there's already one in existence. With that in mind, you should do a patent search to make sure your mobile app idea is original. The USPTO will also look at your app to determine if its processes produce a useful result. Um, and so every term here is like a term of art that has a, um, that has a legal definition. And so it's uh, important that we don't um, automatically assume that the uh, regular Webster dictionary definition applies to all of these uh, terms such as useful result. I'll stop and back up a little bit to uh, give you a general idea of what these, uh, what these terms mean uh, when it's appropriate. If your app's a function is similar to an existing app, your patent will be rejected. Um, so that goes without saying. Also, you should understand that patents are awarded to the first person to file, not the first person to invent. And uh, that, that is uh, just like the example I talked about when it comes to recording liens and mortgages. Um, a, uh, as I was talking about earlier, a creditor who has a claim against a debtor who waits too long um, before recording their lien against the debtor's property will be what's called um, uh, will be what's called subordinate to another creditor whose claim arose later in time but who recorded their lien first. Very important to understand this. It's not the first person to invent that gets protected, it's the first person to file. Very, very, very important. And again, this uh, oftentimes results in a tragedy of sorts uh, for the person who brought this idea into the world and invented it first if they sat on their hands and waited too long. Another aspect of uh, this process is choosing the right patent is very important. Most people trying to patent an app choose a provisional patent application or PPA for short. A PPA is an affordable patent that establishes your filing date. Uh, there are basically three things that a PPA should include. The first is drawings of your app, the second is a description of your app, and the third is an explanation of how your app works. An approved provisional patent application gives you patent pending status for one full year. The benefit that this allows you is that during that year you're able to measure your app's success. And that's why a lot of people 
uh, like the idea of choosing a provisional patent application because at the end of the day you want some security um, as to or some certainty as to whether your app is going to fly or if it's going to um, if it's going to uh, sink sink or swim um, and that one year period is essentially a trial period where you get to test the uh, feasibility of your app and determine whether it's something that is going to catch buzz and something that is worthy of a full patent or something that um, you know is a DOA or something that is uh, not gaining any traction. And so during this year you can apply for a full patent. This is called a non-provisional patent application. So the full patent is referred to as a non-provisional patent application. The um, other term, the other type of patent, the provisional patent application is basically an affordable alternative that establishes your filing date and that um, gives you patent pending status for one year. Now, with your non-provisional uh, patent application, you still keep the PPA's filing date and that is um, peace of mind for uh, the creator. Some app developers choose open source licenses. Well, what's an open source license? With an open source uh, license, you can use people, or rather can use your app if they follow certain conditions. However, this provides you as a creator with very few protections. And that is um, yet another reason for selecting the, pat, the patent rather over open source licensing. Let's talk about patent requirements. Smartphone apps can be patented if they meet three specific requirements. These are requirements that have been established by the, um, by the USPTO. These are not um, requirements that um, I've arbitrarily uh, taken out of thin air or that other lawyers have arbitrarily um, created or invented. Uh, these are well-established requirements and so they have to be uh, met to a T. The first requirement is that the app be novel or new. The second requirement is that the app um, is patent eligible. By patent eligible, what we're referring to here is that it isn't an abstract or vague idea. I'm going to get into the details behind that in a second. The third requirement is that the patent is non-obvious. Non-obvious means creating your app wouldn't have been obvious to experts in its field. Now out of these three requirements, the first being that the app is novel or new, the second being that um, it isn't an abstract or vague idea, the third being that the patent is non-obvious, out of these three, the main obstacle to overcome is whether your app is an abstract idea. Thankfully, we have some case law to guide us in what the heck the Patent Office means by abstract idea. And that comes in the case of, in the Supreme Court case of Alice Corr versus CLS Banks. In that case, the Supreme Court established a two-step test 
for abstraction. And the first uh, step for the test asks the question, does your patent claim an abstract idea? This can include something like an algorithm or a general principle. The second part of the test asks, does your patent contain an element that could be considered an inventive concept? Now, here's uh, where it gets technical. If the answer to both of these questions is no, your app can be patented as long as it meets the other two requirements, namely that it's novel and non-obvious. So, going back again to these two um, questions that uh, were uh, that are known as a two-step test out of the Supreme Court case of Alice Core versus CLS Banks. The first question asks, does your patent claim an abstract idea? This can include something like an algorithm or a general principle. The answer to that has to be no. And the second question is, does your patent contain an element that could be considered an inventive concept? That has to be considered, that ha the answer to that has to be no as well. And so, if the answer to those two questions is no, you have um, overcome the obstacle about whether your app is an abstract idea. And then you can move on to the other two requirements in this test. And those um, requirements are whether the app is novel or new. And the second is whether the patent is non-obvious. If you answer yes to the first requirement that the app is novel or new, and if you answer yes to the uh, third requirement that the patent is non-obvious, you have now satisfied the uh, patent, the requirements for your smartphone app to be patented. Now, I want to go back a little bit uh, to discuss what is meant by novel. Novel simply means that your app is completely new. It doesn't copy other apps' elements. Uh, the USPTO considers an invention non-obvious. Now we've moved to the third element um, of the, uh, or the third requirement. Um, the USPTO considers the invention non-obvious if it would not have been obvious to a professional in a similar field. If an invention combines other inventions or is a variation of an existing invention, it'll be non-obvious. Uh, so it's very, very important to um, understand how um, this element works here. Um, once again, when it comes to an invention being non-obvious, it can't be obvious to a professional in a similar field. Um, if the invention combines other inventions or is a variation of um, something, some invention that's existing, it will not be non-obvious and it will not um, satisfy that requirement. And um, the mobile app, um, the mobile app patent will fail. You'll also need to file for your patent within a year of first disclosing it. The first time you reveal your app to the public is when the one-year period begins. There are also a laundry list of um, aspects 
of your app that you can patent. Um, these include server processing, mobile interface processing, interaction with the server, combination of mobile and server processing, database creation, outputting to a smartphone, presenting information on a smartphone, reporting feedback, third-party server involvement, interaction between devices, third-party mobile transaction, security tasks, data privacy, user identification, data pushing, messaging services, networking. So when you talk about patenting your app, you can see that um, there are many aspects to um, the patent because it gets very technical. And so it's often helpful to understand the technology because um, at the end of the day, there's this marriage of the technology with the law. And the uh, more, um, the more uh, understanding you have of the technology, the greater your appreciation and, and understanding of the protections that are necessary in um, the area of IP when it comes to patenting the app. Now, patent searches, searches are probably um, the best way to start when it comes to um, when it comes to the question of how to patent a mobile app idea and this is uh, the very first thing that I recommend um, entrepreneurs to do um, it's called a patent search or an app idea search it's a very simple straightforward way of learning whether there is another app out there that um, is is like yours uh, often, a simple Google search will tell you if a similar app already exists. If you can find an app with features and functions similar to yours in the App Store, then your chances of getting a patent will be basically non-existent. You should also search the um, United States Patent and Trademark Office website. Their website URL is USPTO.gov to see if a patent already exists. You should search using different keywords and descriptions to make sure nothing remotely similar to your idea exists. If you don't find anything similar, then you are in a good position strategically to apply for a patent. If you find something that is somewhat close to your app idea, you may need to tweak your idea or modify it somewhat to make it unique. You can hire a patent lawyer to do a search for you, but let's face it, um, you know, whenever you get a lawyer like myself involved, it does get expensive. And what I'm trying to do here is to uh, disseminate as much information to, um, to you as a listener so that you can do this on your own without absorbing or incurring um, more expense than um, what you need to. God knows you're already out, you know, putting out um, a large expenditure of capital for bringing this app idea to life. You don't need to start incurring uh, legal fees um, at such an early stage. Uh, Google, App Stores, and USPTO are good sources to search when you apply for a patent because the patent office will basically start their search in these databases to see if there's a match. So why not um, you know, do what they are otherwise going to do as soon as they get your application?
How much does a patent cost? After inventing your app, you might want to know how much it costs to secure a patent. The patent, uh, patent costs can vary depending on the type of patent that you're applying for. So remember we talked about the different types. Um, if you are applying for a provisional patent, they can cost between $2,000 and $5,000. The cheaper application secures your filing date. The more expensive application of $5,000 provides more extensive protections. After you filed your provisional patent, you can release your app. Provisional patents last for a year. And again, the benefit that this allows you is an entire year where you can test your app and determine whether it is a dud or whether it is um, you know, a success. You can also file for a non-provisional patent. These can cost between 10 grand and 15 grand. So as you can see, there is a gross disparity in cost between a provisional patent and a non-provisional patent. And this is one of the reasons why people uh, prefer to begin with the provisional patent. It's less of a risk um, uh, monetarily than the non-provisional patent. So with the non-provisional patent, again, the costs are between 10 grand and 15 grand. After you filed your patent, it'll be examined by the USPTO. The exam takes anywhere between maybe one and three years. So it's not a matter of days or matter of months, it's a matter of years. And the reason why it takes so long is because the examiner does a full and comprehensive review of your patent and searches existing patents to see if your app is eligible. It's normal um, and you shouldn't get down on yourself because again this is quite normal and standard um, to have to respond to several rejections uh, by the examiner before your patent finally gets approved. During the exam you could end up paying as much as 15,000 in fees after approval, you'll pay the USPTO a 1,000 issue fee. You'll also need to pay what's called maintenance fees every four years. Um, at the end of year four, it's $800. At the end of year eight, it's $1,800. At the end of year 12, it's $3,700. So if you're keeping track of this, uh, all told, you can pay as much as 30000 to secure your patent. And um, this doesn't include the previously mentioned maintenance fees. So we get down to brass tacks here and we ask the question, should you apply for a patent? Now, there's some argument um, and there are the naysayers out there that um, don't believe certain patents are necessary. Um, and one of them, for example, is Mark Cuban. Um, he doesn't believe that software patents are necessary because he feels that they don't contribute to your app's success. 
Also, um, you should un you should uh, understand that your patent only protects how your app interacts with a server, not the underlying code. This is hands down one of the biggest misunderstandings or misconceptions about patents in the app industry. Your patent only protects how your app interacts with a server and not the code that the developer used to, um, you know, to uh, bring the app, you know, basically the um, brain center of the app. It's not protected by the patent. Software code can only be copyrighted, not patented. Please be aware of this distinction because um, many a creator has uh, realized this through um, you know trial and tribulation or through the hard way um, by discovering that the code uh, for their app has been copied and thinking that they can um, you know assert their rights um, as having copy as having um, uh, patented their app and um, as a way to um, you know as a way to go after that infringing party but at the end of the day it's only the uh, the only protection that the patent offers your app is how it interacts with the server and not the underlying code if you want to protect the underlying software code that has to be copyrighted so if you're thinking about applying for a patent consider the following. Your goal, that's number one. Number two is your app's impact. Number three is value. And number four is competition. So going back to your goal, here are some questions that you might want to think about and entertain. Why are you filing for a patent? Do you want to protect your idea from theft? Are you hoping to sell your patent for a profit? These are the type of questions that you want to drill down to and that you should answer um, to decide if filing a patent is right for you. It's not right for everybody. Um, and so it's best to take a step back and to ask yourself these questions before you throw yourself into this, ver into this vortex um, that is going to be extremely time consuming and extremely costly. Second, um, your app's impact. Smartphone apps have very short lifespans. Most apps viability is three years. Um, it can be even shorter. And um, this depends, this is a function on um, whether it's a specialty app that won't be used regularly, um, as well as um, a number of other factors. You want to consider whether your app will have a major impact on its users. If it has a potential to last more than three years, then you might need a patent. So if you think about the apps out there today that we have grown so used to and so accustomed to that we, um, that we can't even live without, um, those are ripe for patents. I mean, off the top of my head, I can give you uh, the names of, you know, maybe two, three, four apps that I use on a continuous basis and that I could not possibly live without 
you can do the same. And we might even have some crossover in um, you know, the apps that we share in common and that we rely on exclusively. Um, uh, you know, the one that comes to mind right away is the Google Maps app. Um, I do a lot of driving and I am in uh, different counties and different courthouses on a regular basis. If it weren't for the Google Maps uh, navigator or app, I would probably be getting lost um, on, on such a frequent and regular basis that I don't even know if I would um, still have my job <laughs> uh, because I'm terrible with directions and I rely on that app exclusively. Um, there are others that um, uh, you know they can't live without their iTunes um, app and that um, you know have uh, you know maybe eight nine podcasts on their iTunes app and um, you know they do a lot of driving or a lot of traveling and they look forward to listening to their uh, favorite podcast while they're waiting um, at the airport for their plane to leave or while they're in their in their car commuting to uh, work so these are all things that you have to think about and obviously you know, you don't know when you put something new into the world whether it's going to catch that same type of buzz as the apps that have become uh, mainstays in society today. Let's talk about value. Not every app is commercially valuable. Uh, this is especially true if it's in a niche category. Apps are extremely expensive to patent. We've already uh, discussed that. If your app will not be profitable, you usually don't need a patent. I hate making generalizations, um, but in this case, um, I think this is, um, you know, this is warranted. If there is not the potential um, to monetize the app and if um, it is able to be monetized but the likelihood that it's going to create a profit is slim to none and you might want to question whether you need a patent um, for obvious reasons. The patent process is labor-intensive and very expensive and you may be putting out money that you will be unable to recoup. Competition there are hundreds of thousands of apps available. Only about the top 100 will be noticed and, in, and gain any sort of market share. It's kind of like uh, podcasts. There are hundreds of thousands of podcasts. Um, usually the ones, uh, the ones that get featured in new and noteworthy are the ones that um, have any uh, likelihood of gaining a substantial share of listenership um, in the course of their lifespan. Um, and so, you know, it's uh, unlikely that, um, you know, another podcast or other podcasts that don't get featured in New and Noteworthy will, um, will, ha will gain the attention and, um, you know, as a result, gain any sort of market share. How likely is it that your app will get in this top 100 uh, list. If your app isn't strong enough to compete, you don't need a patent. In addition to these factors, you might consider how your patent might interact with other protections. 
If you already have a copyright and a trademark, a patent might not even be necessary. Also, think about the amount of time it will take to patent your app and bring it to market. The time it takes to patent an app can potentially delay your long-term business plan. Now, as we've been talking about here, patents are not the end-all, be-all, um, especially when it comes to securing your intellectual property. There are other ways to protect your app, and I want to just briefly discuss some of the alternative protections. Um, the first is copyright. Second is non-disclosure agreement. The third is a non-compete agreement. The fourth is trademark. And the fifth is more or less um, a warning about being careful who you work with. Um, it's kind of like, uh, you know, your mom when you're growing up telling you, um, you know, be careful who you hang out with. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like the same uh, concept here, uh, but it's definitely worth uh, covering. So let's circle back to copyright. A copyright allows you to protect your app's code and your user interface. And that might be what you're looking to protect at the end of the day. Um, you know, so you really want to understand, you know, the purpose that the patent serves versus the purpose that the copyright serves. Once again, this distinction, you know, as subtle as it might be, could mean the difference between you go between you going off in one direction, um, you know, that is totally opposite to your goal versus uh, going off in the direction that maps to what you uh, what your goal is um, in protecting your um, in protecting your code. So once again, um, and I don't want to beat this to death, but your patent only protects how your app interacts with the server. If you're looking to protect the underlying code, the software code, that is done through a copyright. And here, here's a benefit of uh, the copyright. The copyright allows you to protect the code and your user interface. Moreover, it's less expensive than a patent, so it's a cheaper alternative. Now, one of the um, downsides to the copyright is that it only protects you if someone makes an identical copy of your app. So that's one of the shortcomings of the copyright. It only protects you if a third party makes an identical copy of your app. Non-disclosure agreements. Some of you um, are readily familiar with it. A non-disclosure agreement requires everyone who works on your app to sign what's called an NDA or non-disclosure agreement. And what this does is it prevents uh, workers who've worked on your app from sharing information and disseminating information about it with other parties. It also gives you the option to sue them if they violate the terms and conditions of the agreement. Non-compete agreement. A non-compete agreement is similar to, an, uh, to a non-disclosure agreement. When an employee signs a non-compete agreement, it prevents them from working for a direct competitor for a certain time 
after leaving your company. Um, and so it basically uh, restricts the employee from going uh, from jumping ship on um, you know the uh, on uh, say you know say uh, say at the end of the year and um, going to a direct competitor um, right after the day they've uh, quit your job or the day they've quit your company. Uh, they have to essentially sit out for a certain period of time. And there are some laws that um, uh, provide guidance on how long um, you can prevent a former worker from sitting out before they can um, resume employment with a direct competitor. So you can't just arbitrarily pick a number out of thin air and say um, that uh, say to a former employer employee that if you violate um, or that as part of the non-compete agreement you can't uh, you know work for a competitor for 10 years that is well outside the scope of um, a uh, of a certain of a reasonable amount of time um, it's more or less um, you know a short period of time but um, every Every state's uh, laws uh, differ and vary, so that has to be uh, looked up and researched because if the contract um, contains a clause that has the uh, worker, former worker sitting out for a longer period of time than what the state statute allows, that part or that clause in the contract could be deemed null and void. Trademark. A trademark protects the imagery associated with your app. By imagery, what I'm referring to here is logos, designs, and even your company name. It's inexpensive, and a trademark uh, can be one of the best ways to protect your app. Be careful who you work with. Just like your mom told you, be careful who you hang out with. Uh, the best way to protect your app is to work with people who have good reputations. And when I talk about working with people, um, you're going to be working with a developer, most likely. And so you want to choose a developer who has a proven track record and who has a pristine reputation. So it goes without saying, uh, before you hire a developer on a platform uh, such as Upwork, you want to uh, look into testimonials. You want to read any testimonials that there are about that developer, and you want to ensure that you aren't going with um, somebody who is a black hat or someone who's going to exploit uh, this app and um, you know perhaps pirate it, um, you know, and um, you know after they've created it. God forbid. I've also heard of. Um, business arrangements whereby the creator and the developer enter into some type of agreement uh, because at the end of the day you know uh, the uh, the code coding an app and um, you know bringing it to the marketplace can be a very expensive um, undertaking um, it's not unusual for apps to cost in the six figures and so Sometimes creators enter into deals with the developer where they agree 
to um, allow the developer to share in the profits um, of the app once it's brought to the marketplace. Um, that's yet another reason why you want to have a legal professional like a lawyer draft the contract because um, these get very technical and um, it's very important that um, you know that uh, conditions uh, are covered in the contract that uh, you know that could prevent or avert disaster later on and um, having read a number of these contracts I see that there are a lot of things that are missing and there are a lot of um, you know loopholes in the contract and you want it to be airtight especially if you are in an agreement uh, such as the one I've described where you are sharing in the profit with the developer um, that's uh, from the app. So you want to look for people who have no history of patent infringement. That goes without saying. Trusting your team will go a long way toward protecting your app. Uh, there's actually uh, two other ways, um, uh, two other protections that um, I didn't list in my laundry list but are worth noting. Those are records and distribution. Um, by records, what I'm referring to here is that you want to document your app making process thoroughly, um, not unlike journaling. Um, keep records of everything, even the smallest details. Complete uh, record taking and documentation will help you if you ever need to file an infringement lawsuit. Finally, distribution. Be careful about how you distribute your app. Never let the development company upload your app on their own. Uh, the reason being is because you know you want you don't want to share your user credentials to your account with third parties. Um, and I realize that in some cases it's inevitable. Um, to the extent that there's no way to get around uh, sharing your user credentials with a development company, just make sure. That you um, that you change your password um, immediately afterwards because um, you know sometimes these relationships can go sour. Sometimes there's misunderstandings as to um, you know how much the development company uh, was owed. Um, you know there's a litany of issues that can come up that can cause um, you know a rogue developer in a development company to go off and um, attempt to retaliate because they feel that they've been slighted in some way, shape, or form. So this is just, you know, basic human nature and, um, you know, you want to protect yourself at all costs. So to the extent that you have, you know, given your user credentials um, away to the development company so that they could upload uh, your app, make sure that you change your passwords um, immediately thereafter. The best practice, however, is not to give that information out and to do it on your own. Always have your own account and upload the app yourself. Now, as we wind down, um, what I want to do is I want to basically take what I've discussed um, you know, over this period of time and distill it into some steps uh, to help streamline this process and um, make it easier, um, so you know it's not it's not so it's not so complicated, 
and intimidating that you can't navigate through it yourself if you're a do-it-yourselfer. At the end of the day, um, you know, if you have questions or doubt in, doubts in your mind and you are uncertain about, um, you know, different steps, I encourage you to uh, reach out for me or, um, for that matter, any IP lawyer um, to discuss this because this is a very uh, integral part of the process and one that should not be overlooked. I realize that the tech element is first and foremost in your mind and getting this app launched and into the marketplace is priority number one but uh, the IP the IP uh, aspect of this should be second to none uh, because at the end of the day you don't want to be in a situation where you have where you have to take a third party to court because they've um, they've pirated your app or they've you know they've basically stolen it and um, you know um, given the public the um, given the public the impression that they created it uh, that is only going to cause um, you know an incredible amount of anxiety as well as an incredible amount of uh, money to uh, go out and to try to defend it and to and to basically establish that you were the original creator um, that's a separate issue entirely and one that is um, you know a tragedy um, you know of sorts so here are the steps that I'm going to reduce this to. First, do the patent search or app idea search. Second, create design documentation for your app idea. Third, file for the provisional patent. Fourth, convert your provisional patent into a non-provisional patent. And those four steps will basically take you through uh, the crux of what we've talked about in this a very detailed and tedious process. So I'm not going to belabor um, the first step. We've already discussed uh, how you want to do the patent search. Uh, simply um, jump on Google and um, Google, you know, a simple Google search will tell you if a similar app already exists. Uh, you also should search the US Patent and Trademark Office website to see if a patent already exists. At the end of the day, this is what the um, this is what the representative in the USPTO office is going to be doing. Um, they're going to be doing this search when you apply for a patent. Uh, so you might as well beat them to the punch and save you know the time and money that would uh, otherwise go into uh, doing this um, you know willy nilly without your due diligence and on your own. Second, create design documentation for your app idea. This assumes that no similar app idea exists. Um, in that case, you will need to document your idea. By documentation, what I mean here is that you need to describe the design, features, and functions of your app in a document that will be submitted with your patent application. Your app's documentation must precisely describe what's unique about your app. You should also create wireframes and flowcharts for your application. Wireframes can show what your app screens may look like in terms of data, flow, and features. 
You can also create a flow diagram. These are really, really awesome uh, when done right. And the flow diagrams basically describe key flow and usage of your application. I've seen these uh, flow diagrams done for uh, for opt-ins um, on different websites. Uh, when you click on a uh, when you click on a logo or you click on a link and you get sent to an opt-in um, for an ebook or for a webinar. And the uh, the flow for these is the flow charts for these are very interesting. It's uh, almost analogous to um, you know to uh, an upsell on um, you know uh, you know at a McDonald's. I mean uh, basically you know you walk in and with the intention of buying one thing and you come out with um, more than what you originally went in for. And um, you know, there's uh, all sorts of ways that these um, that these are designed in order to encourage um, the purchase of you know additional things. Um, you know, when you uh, when you originally when you click on uh, this um, you know this uh, uh, this image. And so, um, you know, again, the flow diagrams describe the key flow and usage of your app. If you're not capable of doing it yourself, you can hire an app design or app development company to do it for you. You can also hire a designer to create more advanced design documentation. This will often help you get faster approval from the patent office. All files and documents uh, have to be in a PDF format when it comes to submitting it to the patent office. Third, file for a provisional patent. Once you've assembled your documentation, file for a provisional patent. Uh, provisional patent is easier to file. Uh, you can do it yourself right on the USPTO.gov website. You don't have to hire an expensive patent lawyer to do it. You'll just need to pay the $65 online app fee. Once you submit the application online, you'll get a provisional one-year patent during which you can convert your idea into a reality and test it out. Four, and this again is going to be the final step, convert your provisional patent into a non-provisional patent. Let's say during that one year of provisional patent coverage, you've tested your idea and you determine that it's likely to be a success. In that case, you'll want to apply for a non-provisional patent. This process is more tedious than the provisional, provisional patent process, if you can believe it. However, you can find all the information you'll need on the USPTO website. You may, at this point, want to hire a patent lawyer to file your patent application for you, especially if you have uh, seen some success with your app in the marketplace. If success appears likely, you may want to hire a professional to make sure your application goes smoothly and that there are no bumps or hiccups along the way. So I leave you with this. Applying for a patent is a long, detailed process, but if you follow these well-detailed um, steps, you'll be able to minimize the costs. The USPTO.gov has made its website um, simple 
easy to navigate and user-friendly. Um, you can even contact them if you have any questions about the process. I realize we've covered a lot of information. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out for me. My email is mjdebliss at deblisslaw.com.